Welcome back to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, where today we're talking about how to rock the in-person consultation. I don't know about you, but for me, when I was first getting started years ago, the consultation could feel a bit intimidating. I felt like I had to present all my best ideas and be on the spot the whole time. Well, today we're going to help you get over that fear, but we're also going to talk about so much more, like what to bring, what to wear, how to start and end the consultation, and making sure you get paid before you go. We also learned that Leslie and I do a lot the same, but many things differently. We hope you will take what works for you and your business. Please don't forget to go to designersgettingcoffee.com forward slash 35 because we've included a ton of additional resources to help you rock your consultation. Let's dive into today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Designers Oasis. I wanted to create an online hub for designers to access resources to help you run your business. Designers Oasis is a place to get time-saving and confidence-boosting design resources. Start with the free space planning quick reference guide, a printable to make space planning quick and effortless. You can also download the Canva templates for interior designers. Right now, our podcast listeners can get 10% off at any of the Canva templates for interior designers. Use the code DGCCANVA10 at checkout. That's DGC for designers getting coffee, Canva10 at checkout. Head over now to designersoasis.com and stop going it alone. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. And now this is episode 35, how to rock the in-person consultation. Good morning, Leslie. Oh, good morning, Kate. <laughs> this is this Actually, is going to be fun today. Good afternoon. Good whatever time it is. I don't it's know. officially afternoon. I know. I think we should preface our listeners with the fact that we are both a little bit punchy today. It is just, I don't know if it's a full moon or it's some, just something's going on. We're good. We're good. But... Just a uh, what what did what did I say before we? I mean, there was some swear word karaoke oh, oh, yeah. going on between the two yeah. of us for the last five <laughs> minutes, just impromptu singing with some f bombs. So it's that kind of Friday. <laughs> I definitely wish we had recorded a little piece of that, but yes, I believe my words were a little a little effort goes a long way. Sometimes, uh, yeah, so. it is one of those days. All right, well, we hope y'all are sorry. I didn't mean to. I was, I was just going to say. Listening, and you're having one of those Fridays. We're happy you're here and still showing up and joining us. Yeah, this is the real stuff. We're recording anyway, even though, as Kate said earlier, she's like, You're feeling a little punchy today. I was like, Oh, I am. Let's do this. <laughs> this might not be my best self, but we're here. You know, I think it's just that, like, it's this reality as moms and business owners and friends, like, we're we're trying to run a business. We're trying to be parents. We're trying to be spouses. We're trying to maintain a social life. And I know that I'm not alone when we've other, often, we often have other things going on, like taking care of aging parents or sick relatives or somebody else that, that needs us. And, you know, life doesn't stop when those things happen. And sometimes it can just feel like a lot, but, um, you know what? Just we're doing our best. And we're showing up and we're doing our work. And I love my work. To me, it's my my work is fun for me. So I like showing up for this. But there are days where you're just like, mama needs a break. Uh, yeah, I I was honest with Kate before we hit record that I've spent the last two hours asleep on my couch. 
before recording today. I was just not feeling it. I was like, you know what? Instead of pretending to work, I'm going to go take a nap and then get up and really work for a couple hours. Yeah. And I think, I think Brene Brown talked about that in one of her books or podcasts or talks or whatever. She was just like, Hey, if you're in this funk or you're in this place, don't just like mind, like just be intentional about it. Like if you just want to zone out on Facebook or whatever, at least be intentional about it. But if that's, if you're doing it just to pass time, find something else to do. If you need to take a nap, if you need to read a book, if you need to go for a walk, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, do it, give yourself permission, be intentional about it. And then you can kind of come back to the game a bit refreshed. So good for you for taking care of yourself. Today. Thank you, Brene, for that good advice. Because after like three clickbait articles, I was like, I'm just going to go lie down. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> but I'm happy that I'm awake. And we're going to talk about in-person consultation. Secretly jealous of your nap, by the way. It was pretty okay. Uh, good, good. I used to, I, I promise we'll get to this episode in a second, but I used to never, ever, ever nap. I've never been a napper. I hate napping, but I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I'm going to be 40 in a few years. I am just like, you know, there's this magical thing called naps that everybody's been talking about for all these years and I'm finally catching on. So I'm getting there, but every now and then a good nap. I have been a pro napper my whole life. <laughs> it is no struggle for me. I'm awake now. I've, I, this, All right, we're we awake. Coffee, and we're going to we're gonna we're gonna talk about the in person consultation. We've got our we've got our heels on, our lip gloss on, our bag packed. We are ready to go meet our new client. We're ready to rock it. We're ready to turn them into a full service client, and we're going to tell you all about how we do it. And we hope that you will take from this episode the little nuggets that will work for you. Leave the rest, and let's dive in. Love it. Okay, so like Kate said, this is a paid consultation. You've gone through your intake process. They love you. They booked this appointment. You sent them their questionnaire, which we talked about in episode 34. And now- Can I just pause for a second? Because I want to go, I don't want to skim over this paid piece. I am still shocked at the number of designers that I talk to that will show up to a house without getting money in their pocket. <laughs> and- and I actually, I was, I was doing some research on something the other day, but I read an article geared towards designers, which was saying, you never want to charge for the first consultation. And I'm like, what the, who is writing this? No. If the first consultation is on the phone, that's one thing. I mean, I don't charge for my phone calls and I know you don't either, but they're talking about like getting in your car and driving to someone's house. Yeah. There, there will be money involved. A um, couple of reasons why they think this is really important. First of all, it shows legitimacy in you as a business to, it makes, this is, if they're willing to pay for you to come to their house and do a consultation, then they're probably willing to invest in, in full service. But if they're not willing to do that, then they might not be a good fit for a more in-depth service. The duration of the visit and how much you charge, that's your business. But I do think that you should be expecting them to pay to confirm the appointment. Not when you get there. Because that's awkward. Yes. Payment in advance. It is the worst. The whole time you're like, I have to ask for a check. I have to remember to get paid. Yep. Yeah. So just just get paid up front and be done with it. And then you don't have to talk about money when you're there, except for moving forward with you. I just, I just want to say that. Now, I did have one of my coaching clients the other day. She was like, I feel like when I go, they're just pillaging my ideas. And they just want all my ideas. And I'm like, well, 
you should be charging for your consultations and you should be giving them all your ideas. Like if they're paying for it, then that is your responsibility is to show up and give them as much value as you can. It gives them a snapshot of what you're capable of doing and kind of the way you think and you want to give them as much of you as, as they can get and make them feel like, wow, if I was able to get all of this information and all this help in this one consultation, imagine what we can do when we work together in a more full service capacity. So, and we talk about that. I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, but just charge please for your services. That is an awesome point. And I will say it sounds easy to say it now because Kate and I have both been doing it for years, but I used to not charge and I would go in the hopes of landing that client. Have you ever gone for free? Like, is this, or have you always charged for your first? Um, It didn't take me long, but yes, I've, I've definitely been in that boat. And I can tell you guys, like Kate was saying, it is going for free is not great because you go and the client's looking to see if you're the best designer for them. They want to know what your ideas are. So you're spending an hour or two dancing around topics and not really giving them ideas. Or if you do, you're just like, well, Ah, they're like that's my best stuff going out the door for free or you're not really meeting their needs and answering their questions and you're kind of dancing around things and they don't think you're the right designer for the job because you didn't show up with anything of value so this is why I am totally with Kate in that an initial phone call absolutely that should be complimentary someone gets to know you you can have that great rapport on the phone but that first go to your house session is a working session where you are going to deliver a Wrap ton of value to them as you should. And I have clients that don't go past the consultation. That's okay. They have gotten great value. I really strive to over deliver in those two hours and mine are not cheap. And I, I do it that way because I'm okay with them being standalone. Of course, I do want people to move on to larger projects, but a paid first in-person meeting it shows you're legit, it shows you value your time, and it shows your ideas and your input is valuable. And I think people put a lot more stock in that versus, you know, someone showing up for free where they can kind of pick your brain for a minute. So if you're still doing it for free, just take this as encouragement from two dummies who have <laughs> done it for free before and really are, I don't want to say regretting it because I learned a lot, but I know now I will never. Well, I always just had this, like, I, I don't know that I could have put this word to it at the time, but it was always this un easy feeling. And I think it was just like resentment. Yes. Oh yeah. I was so resentful. Like if the project didn't move forward, I would have this feeling of resentment if, of my time. So you don't, you won't have that feeling anymore if, if you start charging. So, okay. So we know you're charging for your time now. Um, before we dive into like the nitty gritty, this is a question I get a lot. I'm curious to see what you, how you would answer this. So one of the girls that works for me, her, her question to me was like, I feel like I always have to be on all the time when I'm there. Um, I feel like I need to just be like spewing great ideas and I'm afraid that I'm going to show up and that I'm just not going to have a solution or an answer for something. And so I know my thoughts on that. I'm curious what you would say to somebody because I know she's not alone. And I know when I first started doing these that that would sometimes come into my head, but I have ways of getting around it now. But what, what do you say to listeners who feel the same as her in this? Case? I feel that way every single time. <laughs> I'm always like, what if I don't, what if I can't think of something? And inevitably at the end of a two hour session, I leave and I get in my car and there's this visible like, oh, thank God moment. Like, okay, I did. Okay. I had good idea. And like, I've been doing this for 15 years, guys. Like, this is not, 
new. So it is totally normal when you're facing an unknown scenario to feel nervous about it. I don't think that goes away. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because it really keeps you on your toes and you don't sort of slide into these like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. But hey, at least you're, I'm with you in that I always feel a little nervous before I head into this because I hype it up with so much value for the client and I want them to get so much out of it that I'm always nervous I won't deliver. But so far, so good. We're, we're cool. I always pull it together. How about you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree that there is a point where sometimes nerves, you know, when I'm, when I'm first getting started or going there, maybe show up. I have my ways of calming my nerves, <laughs> but I think there are a couple of things that I do. One is I try to set their expectations of what's actually achievable. And I find that it's easier to set the bar, you know, kind of low. You don't want to set it so low that they don't want to pay you to come, but set the bar a little bit lower than you are maybe comfortable with. And then obviously over deliver. And yeah. And the truth is I, when I get there, I always, and I do the same thing with designer for a day. I think this is idea holds true. If you're doing that kind of a consultation is setting the expectation of one, making sure that your priorities of why you're there are clear and what you want to focus on so that you don't get sidetracked with a bunch of other things that aren't going to be a part of the eventual project. And also just making sure that you tell them like, hey, we're going to be kind of going off the cuff here and we're going to throw a lot of ideas at the wall as we talk and walk through your space. Some of them are going to stick and some of them are going to be great. And some of them are just going to be like, well, that was dumb. Why did I say that? <laughs> you know. Um, so there are going to be times where you will maybe say something and then you think about it a little bit more and then maybe you change your mind. So don't be afraid to just set that expectation that we're going to be throwing a lot of ideas out. Some are going to be great, some are not. Um, but that's just the creative process and lean into that creative process. I also tell them that it's not uncommon, um, you know, for for me to need to just take a minute to think about something, maybe pull up my phone and, and kind of research or get some inspiration. And even sometimes when I go to bed at night, like I can't help but think about this and I might even get a better idea later, um, which I'll make sure to include in your consultation notes. So giving yourself room to breathe, giving yourself um, the space that you need to let ideas simmer and also set that expectation that you're going to be kind of just rolling with the punches as you go. So that I think has been really helpful to alleviate any pressure for me to have like all these genius moments in two hours, which, you know, happens only sometimes. That's such a good way to handle it because yeah, a I, I consultation and in-person consultation can be kind of tricky because usually when we're designing in our offices for a client, they don't see the messy middle. They don't see the ideas and the, you know, throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. They see a very tidy, beautiful presentation. And so you're there working alongside them. And I do a lot of these virtually. So, you know, they'll see me clicking open websites and looking for people. I mean, they see the messy middle. And I think that's a really beautiful way to frame it, Kate, is to just have that upfront conversation of we're, we'll get where we need to go, but you're, you're along for the ride with, and we're going to come up with ideas and see what's going to be the best fit at the end of this session. I love that. Well, what else did you do to get yourself ready to go? So yeah, just getting prepared um, before you go is really important. I've recently been able to add the function of getting them to send photos if they want. So having some photos in advance is always helpful 
I make sure to read over our notes from our phone consultation, just to refresh my memory, make sure I know people's names, their pets' names, their kids' names, all that good stuff. You don't want to open the door and say, hi, Janet. And she's like, I'm Laura. (laughs) So, well, because you guys are about to be real busy and you're going to be doing lots of consultations and you got to get your peeps straight. I'm just saying doing all of that in advance is always a great idea. I think making sure that my consultation bag is properly stocked. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. So having tools in your consultation bag is another way to keep you from feeling um, like you have to come up with all the ideas. You can start to sketch or whatever your strong suit is, um, if that's helpful for you to convey your ideas. We can talk about it here. I go into this more deeply on a post on Designers Oasis, but real quickly. And Leslie, I think we have similar consultation bags, but you probably carry other things. But I mean, it's basics, you guys. It's your notepad, your graph paper and pen and trace. I don't always use all of these things. I keep a paint deck. What else? Grab a tape measure and a laser measure, even though I'm, that's really, it's the same bag that I take for my site survey day or my trade day. It's the same bag. So it has all this stuff in it. I definitely use my uh, tape measure on consultations, but not necessarily my laser measure. I wanted to jump in with the point you made about it's the same bag you take for site surveys. Yeah, this bag, I think you're in the same boat, Kate. This bag is always hanging in my closet ready to go, locked and loaded, because it is everything I need for the first consultation. And I'm telling you, the number of times where you're starting from scratch and go to pack stuff and forget something really important happens. So it is a great idea to just have a, I guess, client-facing bag on the ready so you can grab it and go. And of course, there's things I add at the last minute, my laptop, chargers. But for the most part, this bag is in my closet, on a hook, ready to go. Do you have a, I know you have something like this. I don't know what you call it. I think you have like a clipboard. I have a client binder and that has all of the helpful tools like I have before and after pictures. I have examples of process. So when I tell somebody what a mood board is, I have examples to show them. That's so clever. No, I don't have that. Oh, I thought you did. I have a little like, I actually got this idea from you. I have my little quick reference binder with me with like basic space planning tips and just kind of things I might need to access on the fly. Yes. That's all. That's all so in good. my, in my binder. Not, not to like totally self-promote, but I am. You should. That's You're good what at I do. Go this ahead. Is, this is <laughs> Designers Oasis. You guys know, you, I will link to it in the show notes, but you can go to Designers Oasis and you can get the Space Planning Quick Reference Guide. And I think this is super helpful to take with you on your kit because you can pull it out and reference that. And it can give you just a ton of confidence if you're not sure about spacing things out and how they should be arranged. And don't be afraid to let your clients see you see you use it because it. I think it conveys like, hey, this person's really professional. They've got it buttoned up. They've got tools and resources and they're not just pulling numbers out of their butt like. This is for real. So that can be super helpful. And then read the binder blog post, which goes into detail of everything that's in my binder that I take to consultations. That's that client facing things. But so many of those tools, Leslie, you've shared with me, like your your summary of, or I think you have it, the rates, like how many hours does it take to do? Oh yeah. The estimated hours for certain projects and my rate sheet. All, that, like all that. that's in yeah. a binder and it goes with us in the binder bag. I mean, in the consultation bag. This is why we do this collaboration thing. Literally, your space planning printable is printed out. I didn't like rebrand it. It still <laughs> says Kate Bendewell or Designers Oasis or whatever. 
and it's in my binder and it's so useful. So yeah, we'll have all these linked, but Kate's got a fantastic blog post about setting up that binder. It's a quick space planning principle. We've got our uh, mini business toolkit. We've talked about ad nauseum. So you probably know what that is, but go to designers. Oh, wait, uh, nope. Ours, designersgettingcoffee.com <laughs> for that freebie. All There's the just websites, good stuff everywhere. Know. You know, all it's the one websites. thing I've never taken, but I every time I go to a house that has a dog, I always have a palm, face palm moment. I'm like, what? when am I going to start doing this? But dog treats, I think it'd be so cute. Oh, of course, you so always good. need to ask permission first and maybe make them grain-free, organic. I don't know. Go to Whole Foods and get you some dog treats if people are real bougie about their dogs. But um, I just think if you have a dog treat and asking them, can I give them a treat is a really great way to kind of break the ice and show your affection for their animals. People love their animals and when you love their animals, they will love you. That's really darn cute. I haven't done that, but something similar I've done is after the consultation, I'm jumping ahead, but bear with me. Yeah. I always mail a thank you card. And if they have kids, I will often put in stickers or temporary tattoos oh, or just something cute. like, hey, you know, especially if the kid happened to be there. Cause I've had that happen before where, you know, one kid is homesick or they have a young kid. Anyway, that's gone over really well too. So I digress. We're going to stick with before. So you've got dog okay. treats, a computer, your <laughs> sweet a consultation binder bag with all the tools you need graph paper your computer tape measure laser your welcome kit kate brings dog treats one other thing i always bring a bottle of water but kate you have an awesome point about this that i want you to address about water yeah so i'll usually keep my water bottle in the bag it it's um oh lord i'm gonna space his name but the book is the art of people and we'll link to it yes i've Dave talked Kirkman. about it before that's right um and he has this theory that when somebody offers you water and you don't take it you're sort of turning down their hospitality and so just to be gracious always take their water um if they offer that for you i'm kind of i don't take coffee or tea or other drinks typically unless it's maybe a designer for a day but in that case i'm bringing all the beverages so just take a simple glass of water and don't skip it. <laughs> so, I think that's such a good point. I know. And I, I, the first time I read it, I was like, you dummy. Like, cause I think the idea is that I don't want to impose on them. Um, but it's actually, it, it makes people feel good. So do, so always take the water. Yeah. I have wrestled with that. Like I've had clients offer me coffee or something similar. Do you, I mean, water I'm yes. That, that feels like an obvious, you say yes. What about something else? Like coffee. I usually pass on it. I just, take I water. do too. I feel like it's kind of, I've done it before, but it's kind of had to be like the right person where it doesn't feel, I don't know. You kind of have to feel that one out as you go. Once I'm, once I'm established with them and we've, we have a rapport, then that could change. But on that first visit, um, I'll only take water if they offer. Yeah. I've had people offer me wine. Unless they're offering well, like mimosas. I've had or <laughs> offer wine. I've had clients lay out, like they have a little like charcuterie, like snacky tray ready. And I'm like, you're so cute, but I feel weird eating because I'm working and I probably shouldn't like chew and talk. So I don't know what to do with this, but. Clients are sweet. They want basically they want to help and offer you some cake, the darn water. It means a lot. So one more thing I think before we get into like how do we actually engage with them and do the design work while we're there is what you wear. I think what you wear is really important, but also needs to be practical. Obviously, you want to look polished and put together, but there are a few things that I find are really helpful for me. Number one is making sure I have pockets. Usually we're walking throughout the house and I want to be able to have my phone and a pen in a back pocket or even my tape measure so that I can be taking notes and then not have to fumble with a bunch of extra stuff or like leave it lying in a different room and then have to go like 
find it again. It just gets to be um, distracting. So every time I've gone and I haven't had pockets, I've regretted it. So if you can find a nice outfit that has pockets, I think you'll find yourself much more comfortable doing these consultations. Definitely on a designer for a day, wearing very practical clothes makes sense. I also find that wearing shoes that are easy to take on and off is most ideal. There are many households that are shoeless households and you want to make sure to respect that. Obviously, if the weather's bad, you're not going to want to chuck snow or rain or mud into their their home. So you might not have to take off your shoes, but just in case, um, be prepared to do that. And so you're going to need to keep those tootsies presentable. Okay, ladies, <laughs> no scraggly toes showing up at the <laughs> consultation. I would not be consultation ready today if um, if I if that were the case. Just FYI. Cute socks too. If you have a sock worthy outfit, don't wear like your beat up old athletic socks with holes in them. That's gross. It just doesn't look good. I think you make a good point is that they're expecting you to pay attention to details in their home and you need to show on your person that you are also paying attention to those aesthetic details. Yeah. And you guys, this doesn't have anything to do with like being glamorous or being overdone. Be yourself. We're just talking about, you know, looking polished and and presentable. And it's I, about grooming, not necessarily being fancy schmancy. Yeah. I always if I always have to check and make sure my nails are clean because I'm just I don't know why, but I've always got stuff under my nails, even though I've cleaned it, took a shower. But it's just one of those things when I don't have them polished, I'm like, I gotta make sure my nails are presentable. <laughs> so <laughs> do that. Do that. Um, okay. Anything else before? So you've walked in the door. Are we ready? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump back to clothes for a second. One thing that I've learned, don't wear a dress or a skirt. The number of times, and maybe you could maybe get away with a maxi dress, something long. The number of times I've worn a cute bodice knee length skirt. I inevitably end up standing on a stool to reach something, squatting on the floor. And I'm like, Leslie crotch. No, let's just, co- how do I do this and be a lady and do my job? So all that to say, I no longer wear dresses or skirts <laughs> to my initial consultations because without a shadow of a doubt, if I wear something that I will be compromised at a certain angle, I will have to go into that certain angle <laughs> for the sake of the job. So <laughs> I don't like skirts. You know what my favorite pants are? They're the J. Crew. I think they call it toothpick. Mm, jeans? Or are they like more dressy, like a ponty pant kind of thing? They're like a stretchy twill. You know, it has a little bit of stretch in it, but... um. They and they're cropped at like the knee or the knee that <laughs> that was no it's the nineties no. they want their pants back it's cropped at the ankle um and they're ta- they're tapered and th- and that works great for my body type or at least it used to I don't know now after I've had two kids high waisted man J Crew high waisted jeans are my saving grace but yeah they're high they have the high waist I I guess these I still wear mine so they must still work but um you know whatever works great for your your body type my body type is rapidly changing so. What the kind of clothes I'm buying are evolving. Anyway, let's move on and stop talking about my body. <laughs> you guys, I told you it was punchy Friday. Punchy Friday. All right. All right. So you're showing up, you're walking in the door, you've said hi, you've given the pup a treat, you've put all your stuff down, you've got your notepad out, you're ready to jam out. This, I think, is the part where people get hung up. This is where we feel like we have to be on all the time. So how, Leslie, how do you start? What are the what are the very first words that come out of your mouth when you're once you're settled in? I don't know if I have if I've thought like a script in that sense of the very first things I say, but I will say what's important. I make sure that I have a plan on how to run the appointment. 
I used to just do it where it was very open-ended and it was like, it's two hours, it's whatever you need. That scares the crap out of clients. They want you to walk them through the process and what it looks like. So I was given the tip probably about a few months ago and I put it into place of kind of packaging the process for your, your consultation. Meaning, you know, you could give it a name, outline the steps, talk about the benefits and the results people can expect, but basically almost have some sort of like proprietary quote system for running. So my two hour consultations are called design jumpstart. I got real creative with the name and I called it the three-step design jumpstart system. I talk about this on my website and on the intake, the sales page, I guess it would be that clients all see before they book, but I let them know, okay, we're going to, we've got two hours. You know, you talked about wanting to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Here's how we're going to do it. Step one, we're going to walk and talk. I want you to just take me through your home, focusing particularly on the rooms that you want to deal with. But I'd love to just get a quick look at other spaces, get a sense of, you know, how you live, what things are important to you, what your style is. Step two, we're going to sit down and we're going to do a deep dive together. We're going to really talk through everything we just saw and get to the heart and root of what it is you need and how we're going to get there. And then step three, we're going to make that game plan. We're going to start writing down our to-do list. I will start making recommendations, you know, any floor plan suggestions. I'll do a quick sketch, not to scale. We're not doing anything in like CAD on site, but basically at the end of the two hours, they've got a game plan in their hands. They've got, you know, um, however you do it, people all do it differently, but I have an Excel spreadsheet that kind of becomes our master to-do list for the project if we go further if not they get, the clients get it and they have all the info from that day they've got all my notes sketches information resources and they're left with a really serious bundle of great stuff to move forward it's enough that they can use that and go on their own or most of them are like awesome do this and i say yeah that sounds great so that was probably a long, longer answer you were looking for because that walks through the whole thing. But even something as simple as having that quote, like three-step design jumpstart system, which is, I got to rename that at some point, but you know, you can't steer a ship that's not moving. Just get going and fix it as you go. But I feel like that's been really helpful in building trust and building confidence with potential clients because they know I have a plan. They know I'm an expert at this and they know the results they can expect after two hours. So consider something like that. It has been really helpful for me. And I make sure that we talk about the benefits, results, or outcomes before the meeting so that, you know, this is all on a sales page on the website. And also we talk about it on the call, what they can expect to get at the end of it so that they know they can get excited and they know what they're signing up for. It's not just, so we have two hours. What did you want to talk about today? Yeah, I think leaving it open-ended can be pretty scary. Um, I don't have mine set up exactly systematically like yours, but I really like that and think that it can be beneficial for a lot of designers. Mine's somewhere in between of that level of structure and then also kind of free-flowing. Free the first thing I kind of check in on is what is what is their intent? I think if you ask somebody point blank, what is their intention of working with us today? They will tell you whether it's they're just really wanting you to spend two hours with them or however long it is to get your best ideas. And they have really no intention of working with you beyond that. While others know full well they're going to hire you, they're just going to need to figure out 
in what capacity and what what is the scope going to be um so for most people as long as i ask that directly and up front it gives me a better idea of how to direct the rest of the consultation because i'm going to answer things slightly differently be it one way or the other but generally speaking as we i have them start and i just say let's just start i set the expectation of I want to first start by having you walk around and showing me all of the spaces that are going to be, you know, ultimately in your scope of work um, that you would like, or ideally in your scope of work. And I just take it from there. And that generally gives us a starting point. If I find that someone tends to go down the rabbit hole on details that are not important at this level, I'll rein them in a little bit um, because they can. And then I just make sure that we save some time at the end to circle back and wrap up and talk about budget and next steps and and that sort of thing. But yeah, I have a I have a sheet that I use that is my note taking sheet and there's I used to just freestyle my handwriting on in my regular notebook and I found that it was hard for me to go back and read my notes. And so now I have a consultation sheet and there's a line item for everything that we've talked about. So if we're let's take a dining room for example, Let's say we're talking about we want to overhaul this dining space. There will be a room for lighting. And then so there's one column that says room, one column that says item, one column for description, one column for trades, and one column for next steps. And so each row, if we are in the dining room, it'll say dining room, lighting, replace chandelier with modern pendant or chandelier, whatever, light fixture. Trades is going to be electrician. Next steps is source light fixture and have replaced whatever. So this helps keep all of our thoughts organized and it makes it really easy to come back and either type up my notes or scan them and send them back to client. If should we not work together or move forward and it's not always a slam dunk, you know, there've been plenty of consultations where they just ended there, whether that was my choice or their choice, whatever the case may be, at least I have a very organized list of notes that make sense and will make sense to somebody else. And that's where the value comes in because they paid for my time and that's what they deserve. Yeah. And then at the end, we circle back and talk about money, 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 money. Do you send that um, line item spreadsheet to them after, or is that just for you or how do you handle that? If they become a client, then those notes become mine. If they, if it ends at the consultation, they get those notes. And I usually type it up because you can't really read my handwriting. Yeah. It's funny is I, you know, my first job as a junior designer, we hand wrote everything and for years, I mean, like even up to the last couple of years, I used to just bring a printed, basically a printout of that kind of chart line item thing. And I would handwrite it. And all of a sudden I was like, why am I not doing this on my computer? This is so, it's like, it was just, it was a habit. It's how I learned how to do it. And it's not that effective because I would, you know, as we were saying earlier, you're kind of spewing ideas and changing your mind and editing things. So doing it digitally has been really helpful. I send it to the client at the end, regardless if we're moving forward or not. But one thing I want to point out is I work primarily for my business in Google Docs. However, for these in-person sessions, I always save a local version on the hard drive and I open it in either Excel or Numbers or whatever. You can use whatever program you need. But I never rely on having Wi-Fi at a consultation. I feel like it's such an imposition. You're only there for two hours and you walk in and your first question is like, um, can I have your Wi-Fi password? I try to avoid that completely. I've had clients offer it and there have been times it has been helpful if we need to dig around the internet more. But for the most part, we're not doing that in this first session. And so I make sure I have a local version on my desktop 
that later I will go copy paste upload to the cloud. But I I've gotten into trouble before with spotty Wi-Fi connections or, you know, you type something and it doesn't save. So I just fully don't even count on having internet. And for these notes, I do them locally. So there's a little tip so you don't screw stuff up like I have losing <laughs> data. Oh, man, I would be devastated. I would have to go back off of memory, which is probably not super reliable. Well, I think that's super smart. Um, I personally can't type that fast to make it efficient. So the handwriting for me is much easier. Um, so you guys just do what works for you. However, I do type them up for designer for a day because I'm there for much longer. It's <laughs> typing those notes up takes forever if you come back and do it. So I make sure to build in time while I'm there to, to write those notes. And I just have to tell them like, I just need to type this up before we can move on so that I don't forget this later and send it back to you. Good thought. What about, I think one of the other questions I hear a lot is, you know, setting expectations of what can be accomplished during that time. And so this can be a tricky thing for designers. Do you ever have that feeling like you're afraid you can't get through as much as you would hope or, or, you know, like are people expecting to get a new kitchen layout when you come <laughs> or, or whatever? Um, how do you set that, those expectations for clients so that they're left feeling like they got a ton of value. That's an awesome question. I have accidentally overpromised before, and I have had clients comment of like, oh, I thought, well, I'll be honest, this client I think just was trying to get more for free. But I had one client that after the end of a jump start, this was this was for a hotel, by the way. It was like a total renovation of a ho hotel motel. I mean, it was two hours was just barely scratching the surface. And at the end, you know, I had done some quick sketches and quick ideas and they said to me like, oh, I thought we would have like floor plans and this. I'm like, in two, in two hours? So that, I mean, part of that's probably on me. I maybe oversold it on the phone call. But one change I've made is moving towards more automated booking and scheduling. We've touched on this in past episodes, but basically I use Acuity for people to purchase and schedule these packages. and. I don't just have, I don't just send them the Acuity link. I have built out on my website, a sales page for each package that I sell. So that has actually been doing a lot of the work for me in setting expectations in outlining the process and the deliverables. So if you're curious to see mine, I don't, okay, this is a little secret. I don't have them linked on my website. These are typically something that I will direct people to on a call or something like that. But if you go to lesliemeyer.com slash design dash jumpstart, you can take a peek at the actual page that I will send clients to while we're on a, an initial consultation call. And that has really helped. On there, I have, like, I show an example of a floor plan and the, I don't know, I call it the master schedule because that's what my attorney called that to-do list. But basically that spreadsheet line item thing Kate was talking about, I have a cute graphic showing what that looks like. And I talk about the deliverables. I outline the three-step design jumpstart process. So this is something, and I only did this recently. And it has been such a game changer because if you're not totally clear on the process and the deliverables, it's really hard to communicate that to a client and set up realistic expectations. So, you know, on the website, I'll talk about floor plan sketches. And I make sure that the graphic I have shows a very quick, not to scale, sketch floor plan. I don't want to put you know, pictures of SketchUp 3D renderings or dimension floor plans, because that's not realistic in two hours. Yeah. So for me having, I get, I mean, really it's a sales page. It's somewhere that, you know, there's client 
just a testimonial video on there and other client testimonials. There's resource. It's all the things that people need to see to know what's going to happen and get excited about it. But I am cautious with how I present it not to oversell just two hours. Like the two hours is not going to change your entire home, but it's a darn good way to kickstart things instead of, you know, instead of binge watching a couple episodes of your favorite Netflix show, you and I can meet and we can actually make this happen. It's been useful. I, if you're, if you're web savvy, if you like to do a lot of this online stuff or you think there's benefit to having it, I think learning how to create a sales page is a really valuable skill. Whole other topic for another day. But if you guys are curious, go take a look at mine. It'll be linked in the show notes. And I think it's- We're going to have some serious show notes linkage happening. All the links. (laughs) Yes, go and go soak it all in. Like we- I don't, this link isn't public. I don't let people see this. So I really want to share with other designers though, and let you guys know, here's what worked for me because I didn't come up with all these original ideas. I have gleaned them from learning from other people, from looking at other websites, learning from people that are experts in sales and marketing. So yeah, I hope this is good stuff to help because a two hour consultation is so basic and easy to us, but it is still a big deal and a big investment to a new client. So to be clear on this upfront is absolutely i think it's essential to have a really successful consultation session i find that most people are pretty reasonable and i think that we're our own worst critics and we set our own expectations really high and the reality is my experience at least has been that most of my consultations people are like this is this is so much more than i could have hoped for like this is awesome we we feel like we got a ton of value. I always check in with them at the end of the consultation and just ask, like, do you feel like we kind of achieved what we came here to do? Do you feel like this has been helpful? And making sure that you check in with them at the end will be a good way for you to tell and just make sure that you feel they feel like you've delivered a solid value. And if if they have, if they for some reason they don't, you know, consider consider how can you change that for them? You know, I don't know if it's spending more time. I mean, within realistic with, with, you want to be realistic about it, but if it's spending an extra 20 minutes or so, or like following up with some resource that you have from your office that you didn't bring with you, that you could email them photos or pictures that you could share with them in a post follow-up, you know, meeting notes, just make sure that they have really felt like they've gotten the value out of it that they were expecting. Okay. So let's say we're at the point now where you've finished your your stuff you've got your deliverables they're jacked and you know that they're looking for guidance on what's next they're not just going to wrap up there so how do you how do you end this sucker and how how do we transition out and sell them into the next thing and make all that happen i used to keep an extra 30 minutes at the end i'm finding that 15 minutes is plenty and i'd rather give them that design time so for me the the best way is just to say, hey, we've got about 15 more minutes and I'd like to know if you're interested in moving forward together um, and to get a proposal from me, I'm going to need to have you answer a few questions. Do you think we could grab a seat and just go over a couple of things? Usually by this time, they're ready to sit down. They're done. There's only so much you can cover in an hour and a half. So sit down and um, the main things is just to, number one, recap all of the big picture things that you've talked about and give them a sense of what you would do next. Um, for me, it might sound something like, okay, so um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to put all my notes together and wrap my head around what, how many hours I think it would take to 
complete this project for you. And then I'll be able to put together a formal proposal. We do need to talk about your budget a little bit more. At this point, we've probably asked them verbally on the phone and maybe in a questionnaire. If you've listened to some of our past couple of episodes, we talk about this. But this is where we really need to get a little bit more clarity on their budget. And it's not uncommon for people to not have that number fully dialed in yet, which is okay. That number really gets refined in the design process, but you need to start to hone in a little bit more here. There's a number of ways to do it, and it kind of depends if it's a renovation or if it's more of a furnishings type project, more cosmetic in nature, perhaps it's a combination. If it's a construction project, the way I approach it is to you know, find out, have they met with a contractor? They really need to have some kind of a number. If not, you're going to need to put it back in their court to do some research, or you need to have some solid fact-based numbers that are, um, you know, something that the market can support. You don't just pull numbers out of your took us have fact-based numbers um, and just remind them that so many things can change a, a project's budget based on your quality expectations is a, is a huge one. But if it's a furnishings budget, then I can dive into that a little bit more. So if it's construction, I tell them to do their research, give me their best number. I'll give them my gut reaction on whether I think it's realistic or not. Um, And then I tell them the very first step, if we decide to move forward, would be to put together an initial concept package and meet with a contractor to walk through our big picture ideas so that we can refine that number a little bit more. And then we'll refine it even more in the design development stage. So that's where I leave it for construction. If it is a furnishings budget and I ask them their number again, if I think it's reasonable, then I will tell them, you know, I think that's a reasonable budget. We're going to want to put some pen to paper in the concept phase just to hone that in a little bit more. Um, If I think it's completely irrational, then I pull out my budgeting exercise. And that is simply um, a good, better, best list of products, standard products, sofas, chairs, beds, rugs of different sizes, that sort of thing. And then I have a sheet and we'll just say, let's just, I don't do the whole house here. I'm just doing sort of a snapshot. So let's go back to that dining room example. And we say, Miss Smith, she wants to put in molding around the wall. She wants wallpaper, new light fixture, new rug, dining table, chairs, um, and some artwork um, and some paint is going to need to happen. So we've got that all listed out on the sheet of what's going to happen in that one room. And then we start to attach value to each one. So I'll say, Ms. Smith, how much would you expect to spend on a new chandelier and get her to answer that number and see kind of where that, where does that fall in the good, better, best list. And then I'll go through and I'll do maybe three or four or five products like this and then start to tally it up. And I think when people, you know, $20,000 sounds like a hell of a lot of money. (laughs) It sure is to me. But when you're ready to invest in your home and you're wanting to do it all at once, that 20 grand can get eaten up real fast. And it only for so many people in my experience, they don't start to understand that until you itemize it. But when they see things itemized, then they're kind of like, oh, okay. And then they have a couple of choices. They either, and it's usually a combination of one of these three, either dig deeper into their pockets, they phase it in, or they scale it back. Obviously, my choice is that they dig deeper <laughs> into their pockets, and sometimes they do. Um, but just be ready to work with them kind of whichever way they, they want to go, if that's your thing. I mean, there are some people where I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help you with that number, but that's, that's not really happened too often. So, um, that's the budgeting exercise that I do if it's necessary. Otherwise I just 
recap what we've talked about, let them know next steps, when to expect a proposal, and that if they decide to accept and move forward with that, the first thing we would do would be to come back and do a full site survey. Nice. You got this locked down. So I do things a little bit differently to wrap up. I think you're really smart to talk about money. I don't really talk about their budget (laughs) at that point. Well, let's be honest. Why do I do it, Leslie? Why do you do it, Kate? I don't know. Is this a trick question? No, (laughs) you don't remember last year? No, it wasn't last year. It was like two years ago. I mean, so I've gotten away for a very long time not talking about budgets too often. I take, I was really in the habit of taking cues from things like this, their house and the, you know, is it a really nice house with nice furnishings? Is, you know, what's the value of the house? What do they drive? How do they wear? And I take those social cues and I kind of use that to inform the the budgeting process. But that's gotten me into trouble before. And even though somebody checked that box and said their budget was, you know, 40 to 50,000, their wish list was $100,000 worth of improvements. And it's not that anything that I was recommending was wildly expensive. It was just a matter of quantity and how much, you know, this all added up to coming back and presenting a client, a very realistic design that is everything that they wanted. And it was a hundred thousand dollars literally floored them as you can imagine. And they, I mean, as you can imagine, they ghosted for a long time, even though I promised them that I would work with them to get it to the, to the budget where they wanted to be. I was, I hadn't talked about budget enough with them and they gave me their budget. And at first it sounded like a lot of money and it sounded realistic. Um, but when you start adding it up and putting pen to paper, it, it just, it's a lot more than people think. And so in that case, uh, they were, they were unique in the sense that I think most clients. So my approach to that was, look guys, there are a number of ways we can we can get this better in the ballpark of where you want to be, but this needs to be a conversation. And they were just like, by nature, they're, they don't, they're not verbal processors <laughs> at all. And there was so much of it was like, what are you thinking? I can't read your mind, like from the very beginning of working with them. So you can imagine that only continued when it got to talking about budget. And so I explained like, we'll get you there, but I need some I need some feedback. What did you love? What did you, what fell flat for you? We'll scrap those things. And that's where we'll start with, you know, getting the budget down. But those, if you fell in love with something, like, let's try to hang on to that. But I just couldn't get them to give me any feedback. They just ghosted. And so that was really frustrating. And I was ready to just be like, I can help you, but, but I'm going to have to walk away if you don't have a conversation with me. So I think, I, I think it just, it shocked them. Um, and I don't want that to happen again. And rightfully so. And I, and I think the feeling was maybe for them, they never said this, but I felt like, gosh, I hope that didn't seem disrespectful towards what they had to give. Cause it was not an insignificant amount of money to, to begin with, but they ended up, it was a combination of raising the budget a little bit. We phased some stuff out and we, um, or we reduced the scope and then we phased a couple of things in. So we did all three approaches. Um, but you know what? They had other things going on. They had a daughter graduating, a daughter getting married and just, and three kids in college. So a lot of money going out the door. And so, it, it, you know, real life stuff, right? So for that reason, I have learned to 
be really upfront about money. Well, I, I try to, I guess I do something similar in terms of, you know, wrapping up the initial consultation. I always make sure that in my consultation bag, I have a welcome package prepared for them. And I only give that out if we're moving forward. They don't get that just at the end. I have one of those and it's the very first thing I give them. I didn't even mention it earlier. Oh, you do it at the beginning. Well, not anymore. Duh. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. I should just wait and give it to them at the end if it sounds like they're they're going to move forward. The Yeah, the welcome package for me is kind of like welcome to working with us at the next step. I don't know. So anyway, um, I think we we might have talked about welcome packets before, but it's just got information about working together, setting expectations. Okay, this might be this might be its whole own episode, but I have yeah. I think we should not go too deep with this right now because we're already we've been chatting for a while. We gotta bring this puppy home. So anyway, they get a welcome package, and another thing I bring with me are fill in the blank contracts, so I can give them a proposal on the spot. This is hard, and I'm but. It works though, because either for flat fee projects, I know enough, I have enough data in my, in my back pocket that I know what I need to charge for certain things. Or if it's sort of like a consulting only project, I have a project minimum and that's what they would start with. So I literally make sure I have fill in the blank so I can handwrite stuff in and I take a picture of it. So you remember what you quoted them and I can leave them with information right then and there. I have yet to collect a deposit in that moment. Most people want to think about it. I can understand that. But I do think getting them the information in their hands as soon as possible is good. I know, Kate, you did say that you will go back and think and send a proposal later. I've tried both ways and I don't know if one's better than the other. I can tell you I do this hoping to get, you know, kind of capitalize on their excitement and get commitment right then and there, but it doesn't usually happen. But other things I include um, in my welcome packet, first of all, it's a branded folder. So it's printed with my logo and my name. It looks real damn good. And then there's also a pad of branded post-its in there and a pen. Little things, but you know, you look legit when you have pens with your name on them. And then they just have a little something to keep of yours. And, you know, I don't think that ever hurts to leave stuff like that behind in a tasteful way. And the most important part is after we have left and we've talked about next steps and they just need to, you know, get all their ducks in a row. I make sure to start a follow-up sequence in Asana in my task manager so that I follow up on this. And another important thing that happens, and this is now automated through Acuity, which is how they've booked the appointment. The next day they get a feedback request email. So it's, it's really brief. It's a quick questionnaire. They can fill out as well as just a really polite request of, hey, would you leave a quick Google or Facebook review? Something. But don't, when you leave that first consultation, that shouldn't be the last time you talk to them, even if they're not moving forward. Make sure that you send, at the very least, a request for feedback or a testimonial or whatever that might be. Send it soon because they're they're excited. Don't wait a week or two when they've kind of lost their mojo and, oh yeah, she was fine. You know, do it the next day. And you look legit when that stuff just comes quickly and smoothly. And I think that's a really nice way to end things on a high note too, is getting a nice review from somebody and helping boost your online visibility. Is that it? We done? That's that's it. <laughs> now you guys know yeah. everything about how to do I'm just kidding. But I hope that, I really hope that had great information for you and in looking at different ways to run this consultation and making sure you have a plan and deliverables and a, a clear process for it. Those are things that I did to have at first and I have learned <laughs> over the years. They go a lot smoother now. I can tell you that. 
Well, and I think this goes to show that there's no one right way to do a consultation. I mean, Leslie doesn't talk about money. I talk about money. Leslie comes with a con- comes with a proposal and a contract. I don't. She gives a welcome kit at the end. I give it at the beginning. Like these are all things that you can customize for whatever your comfort level and what works best for you and your personality and the way you run your business. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just different. That's why we started this podcast because we. Uh, want to be two designers talking about how we run our business and glean from it what we can, what we want and leave the rest. So I, I love it. I'm going to, I think I'm going to think about holding off on that welcome kit till the end. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It works well for me because there it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's sort of like, oh, oh, look at this. This is great. Yeah. Guys, make sure this week, click to the blog post link with these show notes. There, there will be so, so many links. much in there for you. <laughs> Takeaways and Go do it. And we really hope this is helpful. We would love to hear from you guys on social media. DM us on Instagram or leave a comment on our posts. Let us know how you're actually doing this. If you learned something from this episode, if you have a tip that's worked well for you, I am always all ears and constantly tweaking my processes to improve. So we want to hear from you. Please reach out on Instagram or you can always email us at hello at designersgettingcoffee.com. Bye. Bye. Hey designer, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback. For more designers getting coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.